everybody. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. In this episode, I'm with Dan and Adrian again, and we're talking about living your word. What does that mean? What does it have to do with honesty? What does it have to do with keeping commitments? There's so much here, and uh, it's honestly, it, it's so much more than just surface being honest. I loved this conversation. There's so many principles and distinctions that we outline in this conversation that Dan and Adrian, it, it opened my eyes uh, to what more results I could be creating in my life and in my business and with my clients if I were more willing to live my word. I cannot wait for you to have a listen. Let's go. everybody. Welcome back to the show, the podcast, Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. I'm here with Dan and Adrian. How are you, gentlemen? Great. So great to be back. Today, we're talking about The Truth, capital T, The Truth, uh, more so telling the truth. And there's actually, as I, as I thought about exploring this topic, you know, I think it's I think about my own life. I'll, I'll speak from my own experience. I won't say everybody does this, but I have a hunch that everybody's experienced this, that we feel like in life we can get away with uh, not telling the truth or not telling the whole truth. And that starts with ourselves. I think it's kind of like inception of truth. Like that in and of itself is not telling ourselves the truth. You know, in order to get what we think, really want um, or to connect with people that we need to live our word, or at least I want to live my word. But then I also tell myself that it's okay to not tell the whole truth (laughs) or not to be honest with everybody, including myself. You know, there's a, there's a song by my favorite band, the Avid brothers that says, tell the truth to yourself and the rest will fall into place. And I, I, I love that song and it has a, it has a romantic slant to it, but they, you know, they go through the lyrics are beautiful. I won't read them, but they go through this whole thing about like how they've lied to their family and to their spouses and to their kids. And then ultimately to themselves in all of that, they were lying to themselves mm-hmm. and um, just a really cool song, really great, but a great starting point, I think here to talk about what does it look like to tell the truth to ourselves first. And I think about this in the context of locating ourselves. You know, Dan, you, well, both of us, all of us talk about locating ourselves often because if we don't know where we're at, we don't know where we're going. And the, the root of not locating yourselves is lying to ourselves about the reality of what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> the reality, quote unquote, reality, right? Whether that's the real reality or the reality we make up. Yeah. So let's start there. What, what does it mean to tell the truth to ourselves? How, how do we start to be honest with ourselves so that we can then take this this honesty and live our word out in, out in the world? I think, like we talked about before, we ought to define truth. Yeah, let's do it. Describe truth. Yeah. I mean, the word veritas, in, 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 in an age of relativism, I'm sure this is going to be quite radical. So (laughs) there is truth. There is reality. There is like, but it's very dynamic reality, right? So like there's, I'm here, you're there, each of us in our our place. And each of us are making something up different about what's going, what's really going on, right? And that's part of the truth, what each of us are making up about what we're doing here. And then there's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, where this came into view for me and the power of it 
was when I, I was a young young man, had been married for five years and and had committed adultery, had really done some horrible things. And telling the truth about that was probably the most, to me, was the most, it was a baptism into the future I wanted most. It was like there was a certain death that had to occur, which was what I made up about myself. And then there was this rebirth about who I could be and who I was becoming as I told the truth. But it was not easy, right? Because to tell your wife that you've been unfaithful and it, it was, you know, I write about this in my book, us, uh, about our relationship. But in the process of telling my wife the truth, she started that naturally asking questions, right? And, and those questions were, they were penetrating, right? They were, she wanted to know who, how many times, you know, did you love them? And I started getting mad and I was going to storm out. And she, as I started to walk out, she said, oh, so you're just going to, who are you doing this for? Are you using me again? And it stopped me really in my tracks because the truth of it was, for me, I was. I wanted, I did not want to see myself in the light of the questions she was asking. And I just wanted to get it off my chest. <laughs> right? I just wanted to relieve myself of the guilt or shame or whatever I was carrying with my, you know. And, and, and at the moment, I realized this was a good thing. This was a good thing for me to see myself in this light, literally. And, and never again did it happen, ever again, mm -hmm. after that conversation. In fact, I had made my promise to her that if I found myself attracted to another woman, I would let her know. So one day we're driving down the freeway, and this is like five years after this, and we're in this church we're going to, and I was attracted to this guy's wife who was an ex-Marine. He's an elder in the church. And, and so I just told her, I, you know, I find myself attracted to her. And here's what she said. Let's go talk to them. Let's tell, let's go sit down with Maud and talk to her and, and Bill and, and tell them about this. And immediately I was not attracted to the other woman. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did it. We sat down and told them. And, I'll, and I, it's amazing what happened with, I was amazed at the reality that went on inside me and how it changed instantaneously when I was willing to reveal what was true to my wife. Of course, I don't go doing that with everybody in the world unless, you know, I'm kind of with, I'm with uh, Jordan Peterson, right? Tell the truth or at the very least, don't lie. Mm. Right? I, I really believe that that's a, it's a, it's a good thing to build life on. But I know it's been very powerful for us in our relationship to be able to say even the most difficult things, of course, with the intent of them being received, not as a weapon, right? There's some nuances there. But I think telling the truth about where you are and about what is going on is the first step in connecting with somebody. Because if I'm lying to you, if I'm lying to Adrian, about who I am, either by omission or commission, right? I'm, bull, I'm telling you a lie, or I'm not telling you what's really there. 
What I'm going to find out is I'm going to be very lonely because if, Adrian, you start liking me, you want to get close to me, you want to connect with me, what you want to connect with isn't real. I know that. So now I'm going to feel a fraud. I'm still going to feel disconnected. I'm going and I'm going to be afraid that when you do find out who's really over here, you may not want to make that investment. And that, yeah. and that, that just the, the realization of that, that reality, because my wife used to say to me, you look so lonely, right, before I had told her. And it would, it would just really punch me in the chest because I was. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell her. And I, I think this happens with a lot of a lot of executives, men and women, is they have to they want to project a certain image. And rather than at times, you know, just with those, you know, with those closest to them, their leaders tell the truth and get with be transparent. Because the disconnection actually undermines the ability to synergize the team and to bring things to have, have it be worth working together. Like you want to spend your life together. Like you want to roll up your sleeves and participate in what you do together actually blesses everything in your life. Yeah. I know there's, there's, I sometimes label things like what's some old mythology, which is essentially kind of a way of saying like, what's some old, what's an old story that I used to buy. One of my old stories is you know, if people really knew what was going on for me, they'd go away. Mm-hmm. Right. They really knew. And, you know, I mean, that that's not like anything new and definitely not mine. Like, you know, I mean, people, you. humans, humans have been doing that since, you know, the first poem about the Garden of Eden, you know, was written. There was a couple of people that thought, oh, hey, we fucked this up. We better go hide. Augustine talks about it in the beginning of his confessions. <laughs> that very thing. Yeah. So, but I, you know, but that's, I got to get a hold of what hurts me is when I start to believe that, start to buy that, that if I reveal myself, other people are going to go away. And what I've, what I've found out, and by the way, thanks for your conversation here, Dan, you know, and when I started telling the truth really about myself and how the darkness that I'd been having and generating in my life, you know, for many years when I was married and for me, I was like, you know, drink like a fish and drank a lot alone and race really sad, long stories there of how desperate that got. But then, you know, all the womanizing for me too. And it was a long story. And I, and I uh, connecting both of these points, I believed that if I ever told anybody what I was really going through, I couldn't even see that. I was really just saying, you know, if they knew they'd leave. And by the way, a lot of that's true (laughs) because you know, I've been, I had, I had been a fraud, not like felt like one. I had literally been one. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, put on, I'd put on, you know, a, a show, you know, I'd been, you know, here's, here's the public facing Adrian. And I, that wasn't on accident. I knew how to be that guy. And there was also just another one. So I was just disintegrated. Yeah, yeah. Disintegrated. I was just disintegrated. You know, there was a there was a an Adrian that I knew worked out in the world that I knew that I knew I was proud of and I liked being and other people liked being and liked being next to. But then there was this internal strife that I was sure these had to be separate. And I was scared. I wished the internal one didn't happen, but it was happening. So I best keep them separate. Because mm-hmm. anybody out there, they only wanted because of the dynamic you're talking about. Like, you know, putting on a facade or putting on a mask. And you know? to your point, it's understandable that people do leave because yep. they've been defrauded, right? Like, I, I surrendered to, when I, I remember when I decided to confess, 
that Eileen may choose to leave. I had to come to, I had to be willing to lose that. Otherwise I would have never been fully honest. That's and I right. think that's another thing is the willingness to stand alone in the light, like in the open with, and be, that, that takes a lot of courage. I know for me, it was harrowing. And I know when you did, it, it was harrowing for you as well. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well yeah. you were, you were so good at it too, Adrian. That's, I think that compounds the problem, right? Like yeah. you were such a good fraud. Oh my yeah. God. I couldn't tell. And I'm pretty good at picking them off. Then when he told me, I'm like, what? <laughs> I know. So I just say that because sometimes it's a little more difficult for other, I mean, those who don't pull it off as well, you're called to the carpet a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Well, lots of thoughts there. Yeah. That's what's even frightening to me. I mean, so I know that that mechanism, that potential is always alive and well, Mm -hmm. you know, for me. And it's more subtle now. And really the, the, I'm more connected now to the thinking behind the sourcing behind the needing to be fraud. I was a very talented one, but the, the, the thinking behind it, like I can't share what's really going on for me. I can't have my own truth or whatever people say, like sharing your truth, you know, like, like really what's sharing what's because even you were saying, telling the truth. I was thinking about like speaking the truth, like revealing the truth, really putting language to my own experience that I'd rather not be having, or that I'm sure that if I'm having something's wrong with me, i.e. shame and being willing to, you know, put language to that, which is usually where the kind of standing in the light comes from. I mean, that's once I've, you know, once I've told the truth to somebody, there's light on me, right? I've turned the light switch on and all of a sudden, you know, there's for me, there's usually a ton of there's there's both vulnerability and relief simultaneously because I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm also relieved because I'm not running from the most important witness in my life, which is me. Right. I'm, I'm my own first witness. And anytime I haven't been telling the truth, I've acted like I'm not paying attention to me. But I am, you know, anytime I was making these decisions that were, you know, not healthy betrayals, dishonest, I, you know, I had to believe that if nobody knew it didn't happen, but it did because I knew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where this is the challenge. I mean, I don't know, this is jumping topics a little bit, but just connecting in this moment in time because it's New Year's resolutions and people like to make these, but they know that they know the biggest challenge is they lie to themselves all the time. You know, we talk about trusting other people. Most of us don't trust ourselves at all because we lie to ourselves all the time, frequently, like multiple times today. I'll lie to myself. I'll tell myself I'm going to do something and I don't do it. And I don't usually account for my own relationship with myself. And that's why I was going to say we let ourselves get away with it. That's right. So anyway, you know, both your story, Dan, which is so inspired, was so inspiring for me. I remember first hearing how like your willingness to tell the truth, even in a public, I mean, you, you told that story in a public setting, you know, full of, I don't know, 50 people or so when first time I heard it. And I thought, Oh my gosh, he just said that. And the room got closer. Now that's different (laughs) than I thought. And it gave me hope. And this is a little bit why I, I think, you know, moving into, as we evolve as a human species, 
and become and willing to become less of tools to one another being, you know, coming out of the industrial revolutionary time where it's just kind of work is work and I am you and play your role and shut up and act like you don't feel anything and then die. And now we're getting into, you know, it has been a kind of a hyper emotional season or, you know, era then about self-esteem and how do you make people feel good all the time and come out of the hippies, then we do the self-esteem movement. And now we're in this authenticity, you know, kind of era. And we're about to get into, I think, which is going to be much more of a less weepy form of authenticity, like real ownership form of authenticity, you know, because weepy authenticity really works because like, oh, look at him or her. She's being vulnerable and let's pat them on the back because we're all lying to ourselves most of the time. And look at her. She said that and she's crying or he said yeah. that and he's crying. But now right. right now we're in like the you can't hold me accountable because I'm authentic. And I right. think we're moving into hold me accountable as I'm authentic, like in my authenticness. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah. So it's, it's, um, you know, you can weep and that's not a get out of jail free card either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the way, I mean, it, it, how many ways can you get yourself off the hook? Mm. Right? You can use your authenticity and expect to be let off the hook because you feel shame or you beat yourself up rather than look, I, I really don't want to get myself off the hook. I, I actually being on the hook is what brings the best of me to the surface. And it's also the most vulnerable place. And if, if you're going to live as your word, your word is your hook. It's without it. There's really, you know, for me, it, it was in the context of my word to my wife that I was able to come to the truth about where I was at that moment and where I, and how I, and I got to choose from there about who I would become from there into the future like in that moment. And without that, there's no context without my word, without my bond. And, and quite frankly, you know, th this is something I think that's been undermined in the culture quite tragically. Uh, you see people break their word and, and, and even get mad that you would be upset that they broke their word. Right. Like like the tr the truth of the impact of me breaking my word is somehow offensive. Like like if you broke your word with me and I'm up and I'm hurt, you get offended rather rather than be moved by the impact your word had on somebody else. Right. That entitlement. And, and what that does is it dishonors your word, because when I break my like if I break my word, my word speaks back to me. If, if I'm going to live as my word, it doesn't mean I'm not going to break my word. It just means I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear it calling me to the truth. So if I say I'm going to meet you somewhere at 10 o'clock and I show up at 10.15, I broke my word. Well, that gives me an ability to correct if I'm willing to be open and vulnerable to what was wanted and needed, what was going on for me that, you know, and, and that, that I think, you know, faithful in the little rulers of much, if it starts in these little things, and if I'm unable to do them there, I'm never going to be prepared to do them later on. And I think we talk about having cultures with leaders and founders of transparency and openness. What are you being transparent about? What are you being open about? Well, it isn't just a, a psychological fest. It's I'm being transparent and open about what's wanted and needed for me to bring forth what I said I'd do. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I'm not coming in there. Oh, it's been a bad day. No, no, no. I'm here, whether it's a good day or bad day, whatever I'm making up to bring something to the party that I promised. 
And, yeah. and now am I going to show up or am I not? And that's my word is going to be what tells me if I'm showing up or not. If, is it showing up out there? Am I? Because, you know, no idea is worth anything if it doesn't provoke act, action, doesn't bring forth something. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's a big I know it's a big deal because sometimes when we get into conversations with founders, the idea of living as your word, not just keeping your word, but living as your word so that when you don't keep it, you can reinvent yourself again as your word. You can come back and provide what's wanted needed, make the correction. That opens up a whole new kind of community at work. Well, and I think this contributes, this is one of the major contributors to this idea that it's lonely at the top. Because so many, I know for myself in leadership positions and leaders that I've worked with and coached, they feel like that what they make up is that they can't tell their people the truth. Yeah. They can't let their people in on where they're at. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> you know, and and it, when we're talking and they tell me something of some concern that they have or whatever. And, and I say, you know, do, do your people know this? And no, I could, I could never tell them that. Not, not that one Chad, right? I've, I've got all these other ones that I can tell, but not that one. And it's like, yeah, of course you need to be appropriate. There's, there's, there's a, a gauge of appropriateness when you're working with your people. But at the same time, you're complaining about being lonely. You're complaining about be not being known in your organization. And then you're creating a space where you're not known. Yeah. Well, and, and that's usually justified, you know, because there's a story or a romantic sensation around. I don't want to distract them from what's going on what they need to do from their work, from the purpose. It's not good for business. Yeah. Well, I've been in this conversation with a couple of clients recently, both of which, both of which are really positive people. Naturally, both are naturally positive. And even beyond that, they're both like committed to being positive. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but both of them have shared about, you know, their company they're in is in a lot of transition right now. They're in a lot of transition and they don't feel great all the time. And it's, it's a conundrum to them because of the story they have about who they ought to be all the time and how they've used that story to train their people that they are always that all the time and what they make up about what would be happening if they actually were honest in the moment and not that, you know, there's like this fraudulent momentum. Yeah. I must be this way. And our work, you know, probably not surprisingly is about, well, why don't you test the system? Why don't you just let people know where you're really going on? Because, and this is my, this is my invitation for all leaders. It's like, Hey, if you're feeling it, they're feeling it. Yeah. So you, yep. you, you, the part of the psychosis is like, Oh, they don't notice. No, no, no. They notice. You're not saving them from anything. That's right. And it serves them for you to get honest, responsibly honest about what's going on and what it means to you. They're looking to you about how to be, how to face the trial. And if you are acting like the trials, if you're acting like the trial's not happening, you're telling them, hey, I, everybody sees it. So the trial's happening, but hold on, this guy, this leader, they're telling me by not talking about it that it's best to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And that's a communication. Yeah. Because it, 
it's going to come up. And, and transparency, you know, we, we, want, we all want our bosses to be, or our, whoever's leading, to be transparent. And then when we get to that place, we often say, well, I can't because if I do, people won't follow or they'll, they won't do their work. Right. There's, and so the ability to be transparent and, and have it turn out isn't something that it, it isn't like well, you just tell them everything. It's like when you tell them, you tell them in the right time, in the right place, you you set it up. You know, it takes it's like you don't just go you, you really think it out. And, then, and, and most of us don't want to take the time and energy or seek the counsel as to how we can be transparent and open up the biggest possibility, particularly in hard and difficult times. Right. Yeah. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need people close and, and be able to do that. Because I, I know a lot of businesses in tough times, if you're not transparent, people feel like you just use them. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I've, been, you know, I've had people say that to me and they're right. Like I made the decision as a young man at times not to say things that I thought was better for people in my mind. But, I, you know, I realized I had two agendas. I wanted to keep, you know, it was better for me not to say it at least in the short term. Right. But I made it about them and they picked it up and they could tell, you know, they felt used like tools. And, you know, I've learned this by debriefing those situations with people. Yeah. Especially yeah I mean, feel right about it, you know. And Dan, you, t- you mentioned using people as tools. And when people are used as tools, they'll show up as tools. Oh, yeah. And then they'll view <laughs> you like as a tool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tools are worn out. They're not problem solvers. You know, they just do what they're told. They don't put in anything extra. They're not passionate. And, you know, most of the leaders that I work with that are wondering why their people are showing up with to- as tools is because they're treating them as tools. They're not letting them in. And, you know, it's this big unspoken thing. A lot of the work that I've done with my clients is helping them find possibility in the truth with their people. Yeah. 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 You know, part of the I've done this right and I've done this wrong, or at least I've been effective and I've been ineffective. But part of the work is when you, it's time to fire somebody or let them go. And I've done it where people have actually thanked me because they could see that this was really best for all of us. Everybody, it it wasn't working out. And if people can see that, and I, I really believe that it wasn't because of the one conversation, but the multitude of conversations that actually led up to the point or that crisis helped they were truthful they were honest and so when we got there people the the person would go got it i i failed it's not working it's better for me to move on yeah and, and i found that people are pretty reasonable if you're straight with them and you know some you know, there's some exceptions but most people and the exceptions if you're straight with them will get out a lot earlier right because they don't want to deal with it and so the, to me, it's a really clean way to engage, but it's also, it takes courage. Yeah. Because how many times have you heard this? I can't do that. I have no one to replace them. <laughs> Where can I find a tool that can replace them? That's right. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I empathize with that, but you can't stop there. The question is now, what? okay, good. We've got a pro we've got a challenge. Now what? And the, it's amazing how easy it is to be caught up and get busy so you don't have to deal with that issue and it still comes back to haunt you. It's your, you know, because you've got somebody in a position that isn't working and it's undermining the team itself. So it's a pervasive problem. And 
out of utility, you refuse to deal with it because you don't have the time or bandwidth. You may not have the resource at the moment. Oh. Yeah. And it, and it gets on the team. Yeah. And sometimes when I hear a leader talk about not being able to fulfill a, a role or not having somebody to fulfill a role, sometimes what they're saying is that I don't want to, I don't want to have to enroll somebody else into my bullshit. <laughs> I don't want to have to train someone else to, to be okay with my dishonesty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that can look like a threat. Yeah. I, I, I let a guy go once. The company actually blew up, but I came in a year before it blew up and tr- kind of tried to make a correction. And when I saw the level of resistance, I decided I didn't want to put up with it. I shoot, I turned this over. I don't want this headache. I'll let them, you know, okay, go ahead and have it your way, right? You'll see. And when it finally blew up, the guy said to me, you lied to me. And I was like, I didn't lie to you. I came back and told you this. But he was right. I did lie to him because I wasn't willing to fully stand back a year before for what I knew would work. Mm-hmm. Instead, I, I, it was like a vindictive thing. I, I didn't realize it was vindictive till after he called me a liar that I lied to him. I had to think about well, how, he, like, how did I lie to you? He couldn't really tell me. He just said, you lied. And then I, after thinking about it, he was right. I could see it. And it started way back then when the lie was it was he was too obstinate to deal with, which may not have been true then. I, I just didn't want to deal with the vulnerability and the upset that it was potentially could potentially cause and, and really think about how to have the conversation so it could be beneficial for him and the team and, and me as well. Instead, I just wanted my way. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is on when I let him go, I was so right. And I, I when I look back on it and I thought about it a lot, is how often am I so right just because I don't want to look at where I went wrong, where where the problem, where I started the problem in the first place, where I contributed to it, where I played into it all the way down the line. And and I knew it was like almost like in the meta conversation, some unconsciously. It's playing out and I'm going to be right. And it's like, I would rather be right than have the damn thing work. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I, I think of the compound interest thing that we talk about so often on this podcast. This applies here is that a lie accrues interest in its, re- in its resolution over time. So I can think of, there's probably a lot of leaders who are listening to this going, yeah, this is all good and great, guys, but. I'm in it deep now. Like I've, I've perpetuated this thing maybe with people that work for them for 20 years. I don't know. I don't know the position. Right. But, and, and possibly saying at this point, there's nothing I can do about it now. Like I'm in, I'm committed to this lie. I'm committed to this, whatever. What do you say to that? Well, I I think that people don't realize how much deeper, how much more connected the team could be if you came out and opened it up. Hmm. Because I've had that work too, where, because after that, I took over, I, I went to work for Adrian at Cornerstone and we got to a place where we dissolved the company. And I was really honest with the people, the gal, I had a staff and remember Alicia, very honest with what was going on. And she told me, she was so workable. She was so fantastic. And she said to me, you've been so honest with me the whole way. 
I completely understand. I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. We're not going to go any further. And what can I do to help? Yeah. Right. So, and, and that was, that came off the back of my mistake. Right. And I just remembered after I, that the sin, I missed the mark with the other guy. I knew that it, I, I told her, I want to be transparent with you the whole way. And so I was, and she stuck in the whole way, especially in where I thought she might bail. She held all the way through, then helped close the company up very healthily. Hmm. So I've seen both, right? Yeah. And I'm still capable of both, right? That's the thing. Like when we work together, I'm, that's one of the things like really in my mind is like, well, what do we need to, and we, I think our culture is such that we're, you know, we put the dead horses on, on display, Mm. So we get through it. I'm thinking particularly on our, what we've been going through just with our social media, right? And how do we get this to work and really reach the people, make the difference we want it to make. That's been one of the most rewarding conversations we've been in and worth every moment and penny we've been in because I've learned the whole way. Any reactions, Adrian, from you on the leader that thinks that they may have just been living the lie too long? And how to just keep it going? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been there before as well. It's just got a, it's got a future to it. I mean, there's usually a lot, I think a lot of, there's a naturally despair that comes with that because that's a, it's a resignation. It's just like, you know, I'm in too far. I can't change things now. Just got to let this thing go. And so you just decide that what, it, let's just say that meaning and vitality and engagement and, Everything you want out of life used to be 100, but now it's only 80. And that's it. I've just said, okay, I'm just going to ride this thing out. So now the the best that's possible because I'm knowingly willing to cut off what's possible here, it just goes from 180. And that's just despair. You know, that's like, oh, this is, this is, I've decided that this is as good as it's going to get. Oh, Not right? I know. I feel that one. You know, and anyway, I mean, I've, I've done that at different times. Go ahead. That's like a sick marriage, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, it shows up a lot in marriage, shows up a ton when you talk to people about when leaders, when you're talking to leaders about what's not working, it usually has proper nouns attached, like people's names. And I'm like, well, why don't you get rid of this guy? Oh, I can't get rid of, you know, I can't, blah, blah, blah. And it's. Why it's, don't you tell him? Why don't you just tell this guy or gal? I know. I mean, we talk a lot about how to have conflict on this, you know, podcast. There's lots of really thorough conversations around how to approach these types of combos. But for the one here, it's I've been thinking, as you guys have been sharing, that all of us, everybody is contending with reality and trying to make the best of it. For the most part, let's just say that's true, that everybody's contending, you know, and trying to make the best of it. And so if you are if if as a leader, if they're unwilling to have a conversation, because let's say Tom's screwing up, Tom knows it. Probably he really knows it. He definitely knows it at a deep level. Maybe it's pretty buried in in tons of excuses and reasons why and you suck and blah, 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 and the company, blah, 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 and all these layers. But down at the bottom, Tom knows he's really blowing this thing. And it's a gift to people 
to have a conversation with them about how they're really doing. It's really kindness. It's like, uh, you know, so that's what I've been thinking about is like the, that it's, if you're leading and purposefully avoiding conversations, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like I can't right now bandwidth too much, blah, blah, blah. They can't handle it. That's my favorite. All this. It would crush Tom. It would just crush him. You know, he's having a hard time, his wife, you know, and he's got a kid and you know, he, that medical scare he had four years ago, I think it's still bothering him and whatever, like all the stories we came up to believe that Tom's a, you know, a small person. But anyway, that, that's what I've been thinking about is, is, is play out, play the tape for a second. If I don't deal with this, you know, and I don't deal with it, then how bad is it really going to get? And it, and it always gets worse. It just does. It always gets worse. And, you know, and do I want because and it's selfish to wait till it's horrible and then you, quote unquote, have to do it. It's just selfish as a leader. When you know it now and you're going to wait until it's like really, you know, the milk's ex- the milk's expired. But now you're going to wait till it's fully curdled. And like when you open the fridge, that's all you smell is the, the rotten milk. That's just, that's just cowardice. So, you know, it takes it. It takes courage to have these convos. It you, I mean, when you get past the first, I mean, the 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 truth is kind of like uh, you know alcohol on a wound. It stings, but it, it but it works. It cleans things. But the truth's like that. It's an astringent. It, it cleans things. It does hurt a little bit. I heard. I read somebody. Somebody posted something recently about how the truth is going to make you miserable and then make your life better. Something to that. Something to that yeah. effect. Truth will set you free, but it'll make you miserable at first. That's it. That's it. The truth will set you free, but it'll make you miserable first. That's usually the case. You know, anyway, so that's what I've been thinking about from here. Like, this is the the benefit of the truth is if it's true, if it's true, not just my truth, but if it's the truth, like if it's if this is interpersonal, if it's the truth, like even for them and it's not working out like then that actually is, is it has a connective power that and it ends up ends up if you decide to keep leading then it ends up becoming an, an ad, advocate role for them mm-hmm. because you, you're both finally on the same page again. Instead of spending all your time avoiding this person or avoiding X, Y, Z conversations because it'll be revealed how crappy it is. And as a leader, I'm responsible for everything. So you spend so much time and energy avoiding. If it's you're avoiding one thing, you end up having to avoid a whole bunch in order to sustain the thing you're avoiding. Yeah, right. It's just so much psychic energy. It's like, shit. The the thing that's coming up for me, Adrian, as you're talking about this, is that the reality is that a lie is for the moment. Mm -hmm. A lie is to pacify the moment. Short-term pain, long-term pain. Yes. Yeah. With usually no thought, unless, uh, unless I'm alone in my lying thoughts, (laughs) thoughts. <laughs> it's to relieve myself in the moment right. with no thought of what future is in that. Yep. I don't know where this thing's going. Just relieve me now. Yep. Yeah. Right. And that has, <laughs> that has given me, uh, interest in dividends in shit as Dan likes to point out, mm-hmm. uh, over any, any given amount of time. Right. And, uh, and so, I think even looking, having that future-based perspective, when I'm tempted to lie, when I'm tempted to 
just soften the blow, whatever that is, what future is in this? And when am I going to have to face it? Yeah. Because it's naive to think that we won't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about there's so, so many clients we work with that are like that, that know they need to make a big move. Whether that's with the vision for the company or moving some people out or moving some people back in, they know that's what's wanted and needed. But they usually only entertain the difficulty that's coming after that decision. They don't entertain why the difficulty that's coming is worth it. Yeah. You know, what, what, what comes on the other side of the peak, you know, because who was it? I don't know. I think it's an old Werner quote that I read 10 years ago now that's like, integrity is a mountain with no peak. It's like this constant, well, how can I live with integrity? Well, you just keep climbing, oh, forever. <laughs> you know, it's just this always in the moment being honest with what's going on. You know, you, my, I'm not honest today because I was honest yesterday. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm always just presently, how am I? Am I being honest? Yeah. And so anyway, so I'm thinking about like most people only entertain the short-term pain they'll have if they get honest, not why this pain is worth it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because we do, that's how we, you know, talk ourselves into cowardice. And so anyway, I think about that with a lot of clients we're talking to, because we want them to entertain what happens. Like, let's say you stay as you are, which is inauthentic. What happens? Okay. This is how bad it gets. Great. Let's say you actually infuse and decide to be honest with what is then what's going to happen? Well, this guy might leave. This thing might blow up. This thing might not work. Okay. Then what happens after that? Oh, well, you know, or I'll say, well, can you, can you, can you find somebody? Let's say you could find somebody better. Is that possible that this person you've settled for is actually somebody you're settling for? Is there somebody else in the world that could do the job better than him? Or might it be better to have to do this regime change? Might that Talk, just talk me through that. Can you can you apply your imagination to the the land of possibility as much as you use the land of despair? Yeah. How much are you willing to escalate what's true in the face of resistance? Yeah. And I'm thinking about that with you know we have the client that we've escalated, escalated, and finally we wrote a letter, did a culture review because we couldn't get couldn't get the leaders to pay attention. So I'm thinking, how do we get people's attention? Because, it, you know, it's very easy to go, well, we don't have time for that because we're doing this over here. We don't have time for that because, well, maybe you are you don't have time for it because you don't see any possibility in it or you don't think you can handle it. But if you don't handle it, it's going to handle you. I remember we gave certain warnings and saying, look, these things are brewing and you're going to lose people if you don't tend to them. And then they start losing people and they want to, how come we're losing people? So we wrote this culture review and just got a response from the CEO who wants to have a conversation now, which is great yeah. because we're going to get a chance to talk about the issue, which is people don't want to really get honest about what's going on. We got, because when people, when, if, if you're, if you're, if you have a culture that punishes the messenger, then the messages don't come to the surface and if they don't come to the surface, then when you make corrections, you're making corrections from somewhere you're not. Because you don't have all the information. You don't really have a, the lay of the land. You, only, you have kind of a combination between 
reality in Disneyland, right? And you're making these decisions and you're wondering why they have no power. There's takes no, makes no little to no correction. And it key, and, you, and you go, you say to yourself, how many times do we have to do this? How many times do we have to go through this cycle? That's a sign that if there's a cycle, if there's a repeating pattern, it's a sign that there's something I don't want to tell the truth about because I'm afraid of the price that I think I'm going to have to pay. And so I keep avoiding it, and then it keeps coming after me. And, and what it does is it undermines resources. It undermines a, a company's ability to to stay with the market, to move with the market, and, and eventually it'll make them irrelevant. Yeah. We'll see it happen. Yeah, I mean, there's a future in every decision, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about is you, as, we dis- as we decide to step into the truth or not, there's a future. And, and, yeah. and the truth is relevant according to your word. I, 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 yep. I want to keep that in place. Like, like in other words, you're not just t- going into tell your life story or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't like you. I like, you know, it's like what truths, what needs to be talked about to have this turn out? Yep. Yeah. That's the context. Yep. Yeah. Context yeah. matters. Well, there's, and just to speak to, I think some more of that, just cause then I know we're getting near the end of time here, but otherwise there's the vanity parade, which is yeah. most, you know, I, I was listening to some David White, uh, listened to one of his lectures recently, and he was talking about his granddaughter, I think it was, about how she wanted to go get a corporate job. But she was saying to him, I, I just have I have an MFA. I have a I have a master's in drama. And he and he made the joke. Well, you'll fit in well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is isn't that great. And, and I just thought, yeah, I mean, when we don't deal with the truth, we then must satisfy ourselves with soap opera of who feels this and who feels that and what should they have said. And that was so crazy that they said that. And I can't believe they don't like each other and blah, 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 which is just the soap opera instead of, you know, dealing with really what is dealing with, you know, what's wanted and needed, which what the, the truth to your point, Dan will reveal, yeah. you know, if you get clear about what's worth getting over myself for, and everybody's got to ask themselves that what can, am I willing to get over myself for? You know, a lot of us give up that because we're just so unsatisfied with life experientially or don't like ourselves or, you know, something, pick a circumstance that's rough out there, cultural, blah, 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 whatever, pick it, you know, and I'm just going to focus on why I don't like that instead of what's worth what's worth my aim, like what's worth aiming at that will make this moment in time small. You know, it's like, oh, I'll get over myself. I'll go have that conversation. I can go seek forgiveness. I can go repent. And these are words we don't use in the corporate environment a lot, but it's usually exactly what's needed. It's just to go, hey, let me go confess something to this guy. You know, and clear the slate. Let's clean. Let's clean the slate. It's a fresh page. You know, you know, if you want it to be, it's a fresh page. We can go again. We can start over. You know, we don't like each other and that's okay. We don't need to like each other, but we can work together. And I know what you don't like about me and you know what I don't like about you. Okay, great. Now let's get over that. We're not eight years old anymore. It's amazing when things start working, how much you start liking people. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. I, that's, I, I think ending there, that this can clean the slate. That's a beautiful, worthy goal. Yep. Because yeah. we all know what it's like to operate with a dirty slate. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you keep the ledger, you know, keep the ledger of who's right and who's wrong, who gets credit for this. And, you know, you got to keep bringing that thing up and it's just so small. Yeah. And if we need anything right now in this moment in time is we need people to be big. We need people to give themselves to something bigger than themselves instead of just the pettiness. That's right, man. I love it. Thanks, gentlemen. Good to be here. Thanks, Chad. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Chad. See you, D. Bye-bye, all. Bye, guys. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.